0: the series called um, the present of presence and we're trying to get back to this idea that the most important thing during this time of year is the presence of God we've looked at hope and we've looked at peace and how it's the present of God presence of God that brings those things into our lives as we go to a place today I was thinking about as a kid how when I would travel with my family when we would go on a trip My dad would often have to pull over either on the side of the road or into a gas station and he would reach over into a glove box and he would pull out something called a map. Um, Some of my young kids may not know what that is, but you fold it out and on it are all the streets and roads and it gives you or it gives a guide of where you want to go. And I can remember my dad pulling this out and then I can remember as we would travel, If we needed a hotel or a motel, you would have to pull up into a town or into a city and you would have to find a place that says vacancy, right? You would pull in and it would say no vacancy. There was no calling ahead. There was no checking the internet. There was no Expedia. There there was no way of actually booking ahead of time. And I can remember this as a kid and I can remember even as... Uh, Heather and I got married, we'd have to go online. The internet was around at that point, finally. And you would go online and you would put in your coordinates of where you started, were starting, and where you wanted to go. And then we would print out those directions. I don't know if anyone remembers that step. And you would print out directions. You didn't have a map anymore. The guide was now... You would print them out and then my wife, this is great when you're first married. This is great um, building for a marriage, having your wife give you directions of where you should go. This works really uh, well. 16 years we've been married, it's great. And so she would tell me, this is where you're going and she would be my guide. And then everything changed, right? I, I now no longer need a person in the car with me. I actually have something in my pocket that will actually speak to me and give me directions of where I need to go. And if I get lost, I never do, but if I get lost, it would recalculate and get me back to where I need to go. But here, here's where it is kind of dangerous when we rely on that as our guide. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where there is no service and you're relying on that to get you where you need to go, or the dreaded low battery, right? And you're, you're trying to, to get to where you need to go before your battery dies. But also sometimes those things fail. I don't know if you've heard these stories not too long ago in Canada, this woman uh, followed the directions of her GPS and this is where she ended, there's a, a picture. Yeah, I don't know if anyone watched The Office, any any Office fans, you remember when Michael is following the GPS and it tells him to turn into the swamp and they know they're not, he knows he's not supposed to, but he still follows the guide of the GPS and he ends up in the swamp. Well, this is real life. And and this isn't the only one. Even recently, a guy was following his Waze app in Vermont and ended up into a lake simply because that's where it said he needed to go. You were all headed somewhere. We all are headed somewhere in our life, and you are all being guided by something. Someone or something is telling you where to go and how to get there. Uh, Some of those maybe are healthy, and maybe some are not. Augustine, who in the late 300s, early 400s AD, he was a theologian and an early church father, and he said this, he says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and the heart of man is restless until he finds rest in thee. Let me just say that again. Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and the heart of man is restless until it finds rest in thee. See, until we begin to see that we're created for the Creator. That we are created for God. That nothing will satisfy like God. You will toil and you will work and you will strive for all kinds of things. But it will just create longing for more. Your heart will just continue to be restless until we realize that the one we long for is the one that we celebrate today. That it is the presence of God that changes things in our life. And so often as we think of the longings, we we are reaching and grasping for things, whether it's finances or people or places, there is something that stirs within us that longs for something. And I think Augustine puts it right, until we realize that our hearts will never find rest until we find it in the one who has created us, then nothing else matters. And so in the series, the present of presence, we've been looking at this idea of longing for hope. And that comes in the presence of Jesus, that we've been longing for peace. And that comes in the presence of Jesus. And we're longing for that here and now, not just something future, right? If you've been around the church, you've come to church, maybe you've felt like the only hope we have is one day in heaven. And that is true that we have our ultimate hope is there. But if you're like me, Man, I need that now. I need, I need hope today. I need a peace in my heart now. We need that in the midst of feeling hopeless and lonely, unsure of what's next, in the midst of chaos and brokenness and pain and grief, the things that are elevated during this time of year. We're longing for something, and we believe it is the presence of God where we can find hope and peace. And as we heard Haley read earlier, the joy that we long for in the weariness of our world, we need a reason to rejoice. And we believe that is found in Jesus. And so we need this guide who will direct us. We need a guide who will get us to where we ultimately need to go. And that guide is Jesus. Listen to the scripture. It's found in John 1. If you don't own a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, there's a red hardback Bible around you somewhere. Please take that. Uh, honestly, that's our gift to you. We would love for you to have that Bible. Uh, you can write in it. That is yours to have. Uh, but John 1, 14 through 17, the page number up there will be for that red Bible. John 1 says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Uh, If if you're looking at the the scriptures, if you're looking at the Bible or on the screen, word is capitalized. And the meaning of word originally uh, had this deep meaning. So if you were Jewish and you heard this word spoken, the word became flesh. The word was this embodiment of God's revelation. So the things that were spoken by God in the Old Testament, the things that the prophets heard from god about the one who would come and save and rescue it was this concept it was this idea it was this longing for something more and now the word the revelation of god has now been embodied in the form of jesus so for those who were jesus and are jewish and heard this it was this moment where no longer was it a concept or something they were expecting, but it was something that had come and was real and tangible. If you were Greek, this word, word, pointed to this bridge between the transcendent, the supernatural. So if you were uh, Greek, you had this thought of the gods, right, of something out there that would intervene in certain situations. And for the first time, it was this idea of the transcendent or the out there coming here. that that the transcendent had entered into the material world. I've said this every week in Matthew 1. It talks about how God Emmanuel, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, that it changed everything. It was no longer a concept, but the guide of hope and of peace and of joy had entered into our world. In verse 17, it says, Moses received the law, if you... Uh, haven't been around church, you don't know much of the scriptures, but it's pointing to is the Ten Commandments. That, that when God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses, it's a way of doing life. But also it points to our inability to always do what we're supposed to do. It points to our need for a Savior. It points to our need for Jesus. And the author of what we wrote, uh, read there in the scriptures, it says Moses receives the law and the law points to our need, but then what comes with Jesus, grace, and truth. See, here's what I know. Uh, When we try and help people uh, by just being truthful, but not graceful, we hurt people. So you can tell someone the truth. You can tell them what they need to hear and you might be trying to help them, but if there is no grace or kindness or love, then it just hurts people. But then on the other side, if we're just graceful to people, if we're just often making excuses, that's not grace, but if we just make excuses for people without speaking truth to them, then we are hindering people. We're hindering people of what God would want for them. And so Jesus embodies both perfectly. That Jesus could come in and speak truth about the hearts of people, but with that could could bring grace, this unmerited favor, this free unmerited favor of God that would rest upon us, not because of anything that we would do, but only because of of God. And so Jesus brings both with him. The guide brings both truth and grace. Now, for some of us, we may think, uh, do, do I really need this for my life? Do I need God to intervene? And the question I would just ask is, is how are things going for you? Not that when you follow Jesus or understand truth and grace that everything goes well, but are you experiencing hope in your life? Are you experiencing peace and joy in your heart? We need God to intervene on our behalf. We need Jesus to do something in our hearts and in our lives. And so when we fail to let ourselves uh, understand that we need that we're not living into what god would want for us and so we have a few options when we hear about this truth and grace um, and we realize our need for it Uh, sometimes we'll punish ourselves Uh, we'll punish ourselves in different ways We, we we understand that we're broken and that we need something and instead of understanding grace we just punish ourselves or we make promises We make promises to other people. We make promises to ourselves or we make promises to God. And then often it becomes this cycle where we make promises and then we can't live up to our promises and we, and we fail, but we just think we'll just try harder or we just receive grace from God. We receive grace from God and it does something in our hearts and in our lives. Now grace, there's this guy named Paul. Paul was a guy who hated Christians. He actually persecuted Christians. He would lead them to to be beaten and abused. And that was Paul's life. And then all of a sudden he has an encounter with God and everything changes for him. And so he deeply understands grace. And this is what he says about grace in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. What a great gift. You're asking for some things. My kids here, uh, I know you've made your list for your parents to get you stuff. Uh, As adults, we make our lists for people to get us when they ask, and there are some great gifts that will be given, but this is the greatest of gifts. This is what our hearts long for. This is what our hearts need. And so, if you're with us today and maybe you would say, "Look, I don't know what I believe. I'm not sure I believe in God." It's vital to me that you hear me say this morning that it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter what your parents' life look like. It doesn't none of that matters. What matters is that grace and forgiveness is for you. That this gift of God is for you. That you're not too far gone. And for some of us that we're not too good to still need the grace of God. And here's what I know is that we don't have to earn our way or go looking for grace. That grace will find you. And so if you're sitting here today and you thought of one reason you were coming, I I just want you to know that grace finds us. And grace doesn't even have to find us in a building like this that God can speak to us in many different ways. And I wonder how many of you, grace has been after you for a long time. That the voice of God has been trying to speak into your life, but we don't always know what to do with it when we experience it or hear about it. When I was in high school, I had a good friend. His name was John Henning. Uh, John uh, had Down syndrome syndrome. Uh, was the same age as me, and we had been in school, junior high and high school, and John and I had become good friends, and John loved sports. Uh, John was never able to be on the team, and so John would be our manager. And I think the coaches knew there was a reason to do this because John could come in and say things to us that coaches couldn't say. We'd be in at halftime during basketball, and we hadn't been playing well, and John, it's like they sent John into the locker room, And John would express his disappointment in us in the performance of the first half. John would let us know. Uh, The same would be true with football. And I remember my senior year, my last basketball game I would ever play in high school. Uh, John, as our manager, is in the corner of the gym. And if you've never been to like a senior night, what happens is uh, seniors will walk out into the middle of the floor with your parents on both Sides, And so I begin my walk out and I see John over in the corner and he like makes eye contact with me. And then I don't know why, but John just takes off running at me. And John was not a small guy, right? John is running full speed at me and I'm kind of afraid. I'm not sure what John is going to do in this moment, but he gets a few feet away from me and John leaves the floor. He just leaves. And in that moment, not sure of what to do, I just receive John. And I stand in the middle of my gym with John Henning, legs wrapped around me and his arms wrapped around me just in a full embrace. Now, in that moment, I had a few options before he got there. I could tell him to stop. But the way I responded in that moment was just to receive. Right? Just receive just to receive John and his love and what he wanted to to give me. And I just want to tell you today that there is a God who sees you, who seeks you, who runs after you and wants to embrace you. And in those moments, we get to decide what we do. We, We can push the grace of God away or we can fully receive it. We can fully receive all that God wants for us. But there's a couple things about grace that I know. One is I think some of us don't believe it's for us. Uh, for, for a couple different reasons. One, maybe because we don't understand it. And I want to say that you don't have to fully understand it to receive it. Just to know that it is true and that God wants to give it to you. But sometimes it's hard to receive the grace of God. See, we know us better than anybody else. We know things about us that nobody else knows. We, we know the condition of our hearts. We, we know what enters into our mind. And so it's hard sometimes. We know our past. We are afraid of our future. And we think, how could this grace be for me? Uh, just a couple of days ago, I was with my wife and I was returning something. And the person returning, it I bought it on Black Friday and they were going to give me the full return, uh, double what the item was worth. And so as they're doing it, I see it come up and it says that they're going to give me $70, but I knew I had only paid $35. And in my mind and in my heart for a moment, I was like, man, what am I going to buy now? I got 70 bucks coming to me instead of 35 right? And it was just short, right? It was just short. And even as I told my wife, right, she's like, really? You thought that? I'm like, no, I didn't think that. I mean, I'm just, just playing I didn't, but right, I I'm. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You know in your you know things about you. And so we think, is there really a God who knows me and still loves me? Is there a God who has created me? He knows my past, he knows my today, and he knows my future. He knows the decisions I'm going to make, and yet he still extends grace and forgiveness to me, and that's hard for some of us to accept. Not only to just believe, but to except in our own hearts. Because see, it's hard to accept the gift of grace. Like, I think it's hard for us to accept help and gifts from people. Right? I think, I think there's little gifts that people give us, but man, there's been extravagant gifts or people who go above and beyond in our time of need. Uh, because of your generosity, I often get to help people. Um, I, I get to be the deliverer of good things. And there have been times when I have helped people out where it is hard for them to receive. It is hard for them to accept a gift. And I think grace is the same. This extravagant gift that is for us is hard for us often to accept. And we heard Paul say earlier, this is a gift of grace. That means you can't earn it and you probably don't even deserve it. But I think... We don't believe that. And so for some of you, and I think this is more on the line of some of you who have been around church for a long time, I think you believed in grace at one point. I think you accepted grace at one point. But then maybe something has happened and something has changed. And now what once set you free and what you once believed, you now think you have to earn. You, you now think you have to work for and So you, you believed in grace and you've messed up and you've made mistakes and now you think, I've got to do better for God to then love me again. And so if you're, an, if you're a person who seeks the approval of people easily, I think the same may be true for you when it comes to God. That, that you think that you have to earn your way back to him. We try and prove ourselves to God. And here's how you might know if that's true. Uh, When things are going well in your life, you may begin to believe it's because of what you have done. And you may think that the results of your life are just simply because of your goodness and God is responding to that. And likewise, when things are going wrong, when pain comes and brokenness happens and you're in the midst of grief, you may believe it's because of something that you've done wrong. And the thought is that God is punishing you. And so in the midst of all that, you're trying to think, how do I earn the gift and grace of God? And you can't, because if you could, then you would have no need for Jesus. The the presence of God that has come, you would need it. You would be your own savior. You would rescue yourself, and we are unable to do that. And then the third thing is, I don't think we always know what to do with the grace we've received. Um, when my kids were littler, we would give them a little bit of money and we would go to Dollar Tree and we would let them pick out gifts for my wife and for myself. And so I would take my son when he was real little and, and we would let him pick out things for my wife and, and my wife would take my daughter and likewise, she would pick out things for me and we would swap. And as they were really little, this has gotten better. And so, uh, but when they were really little, um, they, they would often buy us things that they like, right? They would buy us things that they would enjoy uh, us having. And then sometimes there were things that they would buy, and I would think, I don't know what I'll do with this. Right? I would receive it, but then moving forward, I'm like, I, 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 a shield? I love it, buddy. I love a shield. I'll, uh, I'll carry this shield around. But, but we don't always know what, what to do with the gift of grace. The gift of grace and forgiveness. I think for many of us, it's just a concept. And let me say this again. I think often, if you've been around church for a long time, or, or maybe you just reach this point where you know a lot about grace, but you don't know the person who, who brings grace. Like you've, You've heard about hope, but you haven't experienced the one who brings hope. Or you've heard about peace, but you haven't experienced the one that brings peace. It just becomes a concept. We can quote scripture, we can quote things about God, but, but do we really know God? Do we know the one, the giver of grace? Do we understand that in our life? Or is it just a concept? Has it changed us? Like what you do with grace, not only is it to forgive us, but it changes us. And so don't let it become normal to you. Don't let the gifts of God's grace become just normal to you. Be overwhelmed by the radical love of God. Be overwhelmed that God knows you and sees you and loves you and yet still wants to extend grace and forgiveness to you. And so when we see this gift of God, something we receive and, and it changes our hearts, it then begins to change our lives. It is the grace of God that is the catalyst for our future. It's the driving force behind why we do what we do. It's the grace of God which can drive you to live differently. It doesn't lead you to compromise, but to conform to the ways of Jesus. The words Jesus would use when you've experienced the grace of God is that you are the light of the world. In a place where there is no hope and no peace and no joy, you enter into those places. The gift of grace allows you to bring hope and peace and joy into dark places of our world. He says things like, people will see your good deeds and not praise you, but praise your Father in heaven. And so when you begin to live into that grace and you understand the grace of God, And you don't have to look like or live like everyone else around you, the grace of God says you're enough, that you're enough. As your heart wrestles and tries to figure out if you're enough, the grace of God says you're enough, that you can excel and you can be great and you can be the best of whatever you do, but you can do that while being different. That your life is about more than just getting something, but also about giving to others And that our relationships can be healthy and whole and life-giving. This comes through the gift of grace. And the way we continue to live in the gift of grace is to stay connected to that guide. The one who leads us in the direction we should go. John 15, 5 says this about Jesus. Jesus is saying this about himself. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know how many of you cut down a Christmas tree. We go into the woods and we cut a tree down and we bring it into our house and we try really hard to keep it alive for five or six weeks. And it's hard because it's dying from the moment we remove it from the ground because it has lost its connection to what gives it life. And so for you and for me, for us as a community, to stay connected to the vine, Jesus is saying, you want to bear fruit in your life? You must stay connected to me. That apart from me, you might do great things, but you will really do nothing. You can do nothing of significance or meaning apart from me. And so we remain remain connected to the presence of God's grace, not just an idea or a concept. That we hold tightly to the grace that God gives us. We stay connected through prayer and through scripture and pursuing God with other people here on Sundays. We stay connected and we realize it's the presence of God that we need. And so today, would you believe that this grace is for you? Like today, for some of you, maybe you haven't known, you've heard of God, you thought God was out to get you or angry, but just as John Henning pursued me and ran at me, this morning, the gift of grace is running after you. And then here's the deal. You get to decide what to do with it. And my hope is that today you would receive it. You, you would receive this grace that is for you. That God loves you, not a future version of you. He loves you here and now. And that through the cross, so we celebrate Christmas, but as I said, week one, Christmas is a great story, but it's a better story because of Easter. It's a better story because we know the life of Jesus. Jesus ends up on a cross and he gives his life for us so that we may be able to fully experience God's grace. And that was done for each and every one of us. And we get to receive that. Paul, the same one I was talking about earlier, that hated Christian, he received it for his own life. And he says that if you confess with your mouth that if you speak that Jesus is Lord of your life, he is the one who rules your life, that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, that you'll be forgiven and that you get to do that. You get to decide and choose that for your life. And then for some of you, would, you rem- uh, would this be a reminder that grace is still for you? It's still for you. So when you make a mistake later this afternoon, God's grace is still for you. But he also allows you to resist those things in your life. The, the, the grace forgives, but it also empowers us. And then would you hold tightly to the person of grace? Would it not just be a concept? Would you stay connected and trust that he will produce something great in you? That as we stay connected, we will make a difference in the lives of the people around us and in our community. Not because of our goodness, but because of the presence of of God in our lives. Greg's going to come forward and we'll end with the song we end with every uh, week. It is basically a declaration of everything we've experienced here together is what we want to experience as we leave this place. And so would you stand with me as I pray? And Greg will lead us in this song. If maybe you're here today and grace is something that is new to you or maybe today you've accepted that grace and you want to share that with someone, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to help walk through that with you. If you want me to pray for you, I'm just gonna hang out down here afterwards. I'd love to be able to pray for you as you experience this present of God's presence in your life and the gift of grace. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this morning. The greatest gift we could ever receive is you, God. Thank you that it is your presence that brings hope to our life and peace to our world and grace to our souls. God, I'm so thankful that it's not something I can earn or work for, but it is just freely given to me. God, would we not resist it today? Would we not believe that it's not for us? Would we with open hands receive the forgiveness you want to give us? And then would we live different? Would our lives look different as your grace empowers us? I pray in Jesus' name.